2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, Brother Ison preached out of this last Sunday night, not that I'm going to preach his message, in fact he, I told him though that I, as he was preaching I was getting a message, kind of, sort of, and he said that he didn't feel that his come out right, so he wanted me to send a copy of mine. <laughs> So he, he could give it to his church. <laughs> so this is the way it's supposed to come out anyway, one of those deals. But I uh, appreciated the time of fellowship uh, and getting to know him a little bit better. Uh, uh, and his family. Um, but then it got bigger. <laughs> From what I got last Sunday night as I was looking at, at it this week and... Um, then, again, you know me by now, hopefully. <laughs> I want the context of the Scripture. I want to preach it in the context of the Scripture. At least, at least, I mean, even if I take it out and preach a topical message, I want to give the context of the Scripture so we understand because there's so many false doctrines that have been developed that are in churches because they don't put it in the context of the Scripture. And I, I don't want to fall into that, Lord being my helper, and I don't want us as a church to fall into that. And I want to strive to in, uh, encourage everyone to know who it's talking to. <laughs> I mean, when we study and when we preach and teach, know who it's talking to, address that and keep that at the forefront of our mind you know, because here it is, he's talking to the Corinthian church, which was not the, the uh, most righteous church that was out there. Let's put it that way. They had some problems. And uh, I've been in churches that's had problems. And he wrote two letters to them. That's exactly right. And uh, so especially the first Corinthians, I mean, he had, you know, uh, uh, in, in our language, there was a time like, you know, do you want me to come down there? <laughs> you better get some things fixed before I come down there. I mean, that was, that was kind of the attitude uh, that Brother Paul had. And um, uh, do what? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, uh, yeah, I had that 15-passenger uh, van and my seven kids. There's times I stopped the bus. Amen. <laughs> I remember one time in Tennessee, almost really close to Arnold Air Force Station. For whatever reason, I remember this more than most. Uh, but, you know, gave them a warning, and then that was it. And I said, all right, fine. I don't know what the people on the side of the road thought. They seen me out switching my youngins, but uh, that's exactly what happened. Anyway, uh, but I pulled over and made a believer that I would pull over out of, you know. So um, I'm going to pull over and... Anyway, they didn't believe me. Well, I made a believer out of them. Anyway, so anyway, but that's where Paul was with the Corinthian church. And, um, and the, he, he reproved them. He pointed out their sin. I was able to give testimony back to the dentist. Of course, they had numbed me up before they pulled these teeth. And I was waiting there. He was working on somebody else and waiting for me to get numb. I'm sitting there. Of course, I just stayed laying back. They said, you want me to set you up? I didn't think it was going to be that long. So I just, and I said, no, nah, I'll be in. 
I'm just sitting there looking at the ceiling, looking at that big light. I said, so I was thinking about that light again, that reproof. And so he come in there finally. I said, I said, I, I pointed up to that light. I said, I told my church about that light right there. And I said, what? I said, that reproof. I said, it shines that light on the problem. And I gave him, I gave him this outline. I said, shines that light on this problem. And I said, the rebuke is when you're taking care of that problem, like you're getting ready to do these teeth back here. <laughs> Cracking them and drilling them and whatever and pulling that, uh, that out. And I said, now the exhortation is for me to keep the rest of my teeth <laughs> in good shape so you don't have to do that before, all right? So, uh, so I gave him, he said, uh, he, he didn't know what to think. I don't, you know, so when I, I preached to him a little bit, therefore he pulled my teeth. But anyway, about that reproof. And that's exactly what Paul, the scriptures does. And Paul, especially a whole lot of times in his letters, in his epistles to these churches. And even John in Revelation, you know, to the seven churches, there was reproof to all those seven churches. And then, but he exhorted them where they were doing right, he let them know about it too. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult place. And I've told you before, when God puts reproof, on the church, and I'm the one that has to deliver the message, it's, it's difficult, but I want to be faithful to do that if that's what God wants. But anyway, as he was preaching, and as I got to studying, looking again back at the previous chapter so that I could see where Paul was going with the message, and then I seen some things there as well, and hopefully we'll address it. I just, you know, scripture references, I did have some little bit of uh, 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 points here at the end, but um, I think this message hopefully will speak both saint and sinner alike, and, uh, and hopefully uh, the Lord would work in the hearts and the, uh, the lives of the sinner that they would see the light. Let's put it that way. So let's pick up a reading in verse number 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, see, that's why I had to go back to chapter 3. <laughs> Because of the therefore. So it continues on. When you see that, you got to go back and get, get that context of Scripture. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, and we've done heard about mercy this morning, what a blessing. As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And apparently, you know, there was a problem with the, the, the people looking at the preachers. And we'll see that if I go back to the very first part of chapter 3. And, um, but, you know, he's, he's like, we've not, dis, uh, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And there was times, you know, when he, the writer of Hebrews <laughs> talks about, who, you know, the man of God. We've, we've dealt with it in we, recent weeks. Whose faith follow? You know, and, and Paul says, look, you know, you know, look at us. We're an example. And it's by the mercies and graces of God. But we're an example before you. Not talking about just him, but the other ministers with him. Preachers with him. Verse number 3. 
But if our gospel be hid, so again, back into number two, by manifestation of the truth, and then Brother Glenn said, what is truth? It's what God says about it. That's truth. So, so by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And he dealt with that this morning too. You're not going to be found until you've been lost. We dealt with that before. You've got to come to that conclusion. And we men are the worst. I think we're lost. Oh, well, honey, we're fine. But we've done past that 7-Eleven 10 times. How do you know it's the same? There's 7-Elevens all over this city. How do you know it's the same as 7-Eleven? Well, the same bum is out there on the corner. <laughs> same cars are parked in the parking lot. And finally, maybe, we say, okay, I'm lost. And we go in and 7-Eleven how to get directions. My, step, my first stepfather, he went to Atlanta Braves game down in Atlanta. And uh, I-75 runs right up by the stadium, goes right smack through the city. But anyway, somehow, some way, he got off the beaten path and found himself in a very not-so-nice neighborhood in Atlanta, Georgia. And it was getting dark. <laughs> And he could see I-75, but he just didn't know how, where the entrance ramp to get on I-75 North was. And he says, I, he goes, he goes, I didn't want to get caught in that section of town after dark. And he goes, I seen a fella in the parking lot and I pulled in. And he said, I asked him how to get on the exit ramp or the entrance ramp. And he gave me, you know, so many blocks, so many blocks, so many turns. And he goes, and I thanked him with a piece of money. He said, looking at him, I probably know what he was going to do with that piece of money. He goes, but I didn't care. I just didn't want to get caught in that neighborhood after dark. So he gave him a piece of money as a tip for directions, and he got on, and sure enough, he got on there and was able to get out of that section of town. But he wouldn't have got, he would have been still stuck in Atlanta, Georgia, probably that section, unless he, had, he, he, he swallowed his pride and asked somebody for direction. He realized he was lost and he needed direction. And you're not going to, you know, you're not going to really come to the conclusion and find the direction in your lives until you come to the conclusion that you're lost. But God's got, as we've done heard about in, in the Sunday school, God has got to give that direction. God has got to give that understanding that you're lost. Amen. He's got to open your eyes because it's talked about being hid. If our gospel be hid... And this goes both ways, lost in the church both, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to who? It is hid to them that are lost, semi-colon, okay? So the sentence continues. So we're looking at the sentence here. In whom? So this is a little further explanation about the ones that the gospel's hid to. In whom the little g God of this world. It's not talking about the big G God, it's not talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one God, Jehovah, that we serve. It's talking about the God of this world, the devil. Amen. Whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there's the, 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 the hiding of the gospel. 
It's to them that are lost, and it's the reason behind that is the God of this world has blinded the minds. And I, as Brother Eisen was preaching this, I just wrote in the top part of my, my Bible, just blinded minds, blinded minds. And it's because of the God of this world, and we're going to deal with that, and on the saint's side as well, here in just a minute. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, dear God, for your love and your mercy and your graces, Lord, for the word of God that is before us and is already presented to us in the Sunday school hour. We thank you for that. I pray, Lord, that you would take the, the blinders off of the ones that are blind. Lord, may they see that they're lost. May they understand and know that they're lost and, and, and without Christ and need a Savior, need someone, some direction in their life. And I pray that you'll point them to the Savior through the uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, of God, draw them unto thee, and I pray that they will respond accordingly. We ask and pray that you'd uh, encourage the saint of God in this message as well. Give us direction and help in our lives and our walk, and may our light shine brightly for you. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right, so then we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, ha darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give light of the uh, to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And then. It talks about our lives later on in here. We're not going to look to that, but I want to show you. So the gospel is hid to them that are lost. And it's because of the God of this world. I'm just going to go ahead and give this. It's because of the God of this world has done that. He's blinded the minds. Blinded the minds. Here's the three little things, and I thought I had some others, and maybe the Lord would give me, and I did have some others. I just didn't take the time to write them down this morning. I had to rethink them to Sunday school. But uh, just some points here, and then we're going to look at the, the light shine, uh, part of this too. Uh, blinded by, I put, I've got three R's here. Blinded by rejection of the truth and unbelief. We see that here in Ephesians chapter uh, number, um, where is it? Nope, not there. Yep, there. Uh, nope, hang on a minute. Oh, I know where it is. Romans chapter number 10. Because this is the answer, as Brother Eisen was preaching, he didn't preach it this way, but as he was preaching it, I, I couldn't help but to, to think about that. Let's just read it, and then I'll expound upon it. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then, here's the question, how then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not uh, all obeyed. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, "Lord, who hath believed our report?" So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. 
But I say, have ye not heard? Have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not, and I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. Now, is that not what, the, I mean, the manifestation of God? You know, most people come to church, they're not looking for God. I, I, I've heard people testify, testify Brother Hall was, uh, not Brother Hall, but Brother Steve Pleasant was one of them. He, he, he was a drug dealer in town. He'll tell you, he's testimony. He's a drug dealer, local drug dealer. Just caught up in that lifestyle, had houses. I mean, early 20s, had houses. I mean, several different properties. That's how you funnel money, you know. That's how you uh, launder money, right? Get the drug money, buy a house. Get the drug money, buy a car. Right. Then you can sell the car, and then you can, you know, that's not telling you how to sin, but that's how it works. So he had, he had house, he had property, he had cars, had whatever he wanted. Drug dealer. Well, I guess God put something in, or the flesh said, it's time for me to get a wife. But he didn't want to get a wife among the drug crowd. He didn't want to get a wife of the easy women crowd. He said, I'm going to go to church and find a pure girl. <laughs> I'm going to go to church and find a good girl to get a wife. So he went to church to find a wife. He didn't go looking for God. He didn't go looking for salvation. He went looking for a clean girl because all the others are used up. He didn't want them for a wife. So he went to church looking for a clean girl. So he, but he got more than he bargained for when he went to church <laughs> because he got to church and he heard the gospel. By his testimony, he heard the gospel, and he got saved. And God gave him a wife, a preacher's daughter. Uh, so he and I married the, two, you know, the preacher's two daughters. But that was, he didn't go looking for God. Other men, you know, Brother Albert Harden being under the tent, you know, others, I just come, I just, because it, it was my family, it's time to go to church. But they heard the gospel, and the, the gospel that was hidden to them by the devil, that was, they were minds were blinded by the devil, then God pulled the blindfold off. And just like here it says, he was very bold and says, I, found, uh, I was found of them that sought me not. They didn't go looking for God, but God said, here I am. And, and God in that message, in that gospel message, showed them they were in darkness, showed them they were lost, and showed them they needed the Savior, and then pointed them to the Savior. And as I was manifesting to them that asked not after me, I didn't go asking for the preacher to preach on my sin. I didn't go asking for the preacher to take that big bright light and point right at my sin. But that's what happened. My sin was manifesting to me. I realized I was a lost sinner, and I needed a Savior. And he pointed me to the Savior. He said, there's your answer. But to Israel, he saith, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. He went to Israel first. 
He pointed, and, and all through the Old Testament, it was pointed to the Messiah. It was preached by Isaiah. It was preached by the prophets. It was preached by the law. Abraham believed the gospel before the law. We done pointed that out in recent weeks. He looked through the law, through the nation of Israel, to the seed that was coming and was going to be a, a blessing to all nations. And he believed that and was counted unto him for righteousness. But it's hid to them that are lost. But in that, think about being blindfolded. And recent, oh, Brother Isom, and I've, I've seen a, a somewhat of an example, and of course, in, in another, uh, another place. But the preacher would have somebody come up and, and, and for illustration's sake, talk about, and then they'd actually put a blindfold on them. And, and I was reminded of the one thing that I seen my brother Isom's preaching last week. <clears throat> this knee is a little weak and I don't want to fall. So anyway, but if I were to bring Brother Chris up and put a blindfold on him, and then <laughs> he would have to put some trust, some faith in me, <laughs> but I put a blindfold on him and stood him over here and then walk away from him, And then I say, Brother Chris, walk to me and allow him to walk. And, so, and if he started heading into that bench right there, I'd say, stop. And he would stop. And then i say, you know, take a, take a, a step to your left sideways. And he, that would help him to avoid that bench. He could be guided by my voice, even though he could not see. Right. We just read in Romans chapter 10, faith cometh by hearing and when we and when we get to the part for the child of God's sake talking about our light shining in the darkness which God commanded <laughs> all right you know realizing that those those the lost folks are just hid they're blinded they cannot see how do we reach them we reach them with the word faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God Brother Hall, uh, when he was in Arizona, I wasn't around then. But he was in Arizona. He he went to a man, uh, to the hospital of a man that was at the point of death. The body was shutting down. It was just a matter of a few minutes or probably several minutes, but minutes versus hours. And he would cross over. And he said that um, that the doctor was in there and told the wife, said that said you can you can talk with him. He probably won't respond, but medical science has has determined that the hearing is the last to go. And then Brother Hall standing in the room heard that from the doctor and he said, isn't that the mercy of God? (laughs) Isn't that the grace of God in that hearing is the last to go and faith cometh by hearing? So there may be some people in heaven 
that on their deathbed, somebody whispering the gospel into their ear that has enough understanding still maybe, I don't know, to believe before they pass. I don't know. But it's just the grace and the mercy of God that that's the last thing to go, that all the way up to the point of death, they can hear and they can hear the gospel. But then on the flip side of that, if that's the case, and you can't do nothing except hear, and you hear the gospel, and you don't respond to the gospel, then you will stand without, you're, you're going to stand without uh, excuse before God anyway, Amen. according to Romans chapter number 1. You're going to stand without, heathen are going to stand without, all those that, in the Old Testament, that God, they never heard the gospel. They never were under the, the law of the day and the religion of the day unless they were proselyted in. And, and the heathen people say, well, what about the heathens in the jungles and so on and so forth? They will still stand without excuse, according to Romans chapter 1. I don't understand it all. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because the universe declares his glory. The creation declares his glory. And they'll find it without excuse. They'll be without excuse before God. But especially if you've heard the gospel and never respond to it, Amen. it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. So those that they're hid and it's, it's, they're blindfolded, blinded by, I put rejection of the truth. We read about that unbelief there in Romans chapter 10. It does say that. It says... Um, uh, where is that? Because they unbelieve. Uh, back up here. Preach because they obeyed not the gospel. Uh, who hath and then yeah, right. How shall they hear? In whom? Uh, on uh, how shall then? How shall they call in whom? No, right, back up. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom? In him of whom? They have not heard, all right? So when faith comes by hearing and the, and the preachers and the teachers get up here and declare the gospel unto you, you're blinded, you can't see, you don't know which way to go, but the preachers are telling you by your hearing you can be guided to the truth. By your hearing that you can be guided to the gospel, I mean, to the cross, Pilgrim's progress. He was under the burden until he got to the foot, until he got to Calvary, <laughs> and at the top of Calvary, his burden was rolled away. And so many people are there; they're under a burden of sin. They're blinded because of the God of this world and their unbelief, rejection of the truth, or rebellion. I I don't I choose not to believe the gospel. There are people like that. And that's the God of this world blinding you to that. The God of this world will say, if you, if you believe, then you won't, you'll have to stop this, and you'll have to stop that, and you'll have to do this, and you'll have to do that, and you won't have any fun no more. That's just a lie of the devil. Like Brother Glenn has pointed out in his teaching, and, 
And I've probably said it, and other people I know have said it, and preachers I've heard, I can do anything that I want to do. I just, as a child of God, don't want to do that anymore because I know they would displease my God. Moses got drunk. I mean, rewind. Noah got drunk after the flood. Get my men right. David committed adultery. And I know that there's a little meme out there in cyberspace that, that kind of goes through this whole little thing, but it's, it's, it's skewed in their manner of thinking, if you've ever seen that before, about how God uses the unqualified. No, 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 no. The flesh sinned. That's what. Yeah. And they repented and got right. God dealt with them in their sin. That's what the whole little list should be. Yes, the flesh, the arm of flesh will fail us. Or we wouldn't have men like Paul reproving and rebuking. So I said they're blinded by rebellion or rejection of the truth, unbelief. They can be blinded, another tool of the devil... That blindfold of the devil, rewind. Uh, I read a book, and I have been around folks that, I'll just say it's my pulpit now. I was in the church. They were independent, but not independent like us. They were non-associational, let's put it that way. It was a Baptist church. But instead of instead of prayer letters out there in the foyer in the hall in the foyer of the church, they had the little plaques where the church had given to the uh Riz Pa Temple and to the uh and to the uh the 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 hospital there that the that the Shriners or Shriners Hospital certificates. And there was about about most of the men in the church had the had their little ring on with the G on it. <laughs> I'm talking about the Masons. And and when you read about the Masons, even though you know the, some of this stuff is supposed to be secret, these little secret societies. When you read about the Masons in the in the Blue Lodge of the Masons, I hope this goes out on the radio. In the Blue Lodge of the of the Masons. The, to get in, the first three degrees there is the Blue Lodge. And so to get in, you know, and you see maybe you see this bumper sticker with the little Masonic symbol on there that says, to be one, ask one. And they can blackball you, okay? So they vote whether they're even going to let you in or not. Yep. And they got marbles, you know. One's, you know, you got a white, and a white marble for a yes vote and a black marble for a no vote. And so you can black, be blackballed. So if they decide to let you in, then you go down here, you go down to the lodge meeting, and what they do is they put a blindfold on you called a hoodwink. That's the name of the blindfold. Is a, they hoodwink you. The name of the blindfold is a hoodwink. And then they start leading you between these little stations. Well, you're brand new to this mess. You don't know what you're supposed to say, but there's somebody along the way that's guiding you in what you're supposed to say at each of these little stations at the end of the little ceremony so that you can get in. So you're hoodwinked, and at each of these little stations, you're, you're seeking light. 
That's what you're prompted to say. I'm seeking light by, you know, talking about this Egyptian mess and Mr. Hiram. <laughs> you know, he's the master builder and he's seeking light. And I'm thinking to myself, man, if that ain't demonic. They're seeking light. They're hoodwinked. They're blinded by the God of this world. Their minds are blinded by the God of this world. They think that good works. I know one in this community. He's big in it. And it, it turns into a little good old boy network. You can't sin against a fellow lodge member by running off with his wife, but you can run off with somebody's wife that's not a lodge member. Nothing wrong with that in their doctrine. That's wicked. And, uh, you know, the little secret handshake gets you out of parking tickets. Yep. I, I knew one in life who, he was, he was a master fisherman. He would catch fish when nobody else was catching fish. I mean, he was just that kind of guy. So he had went down to the lake, and he, he told this braggadociously to another, and I just happened to be within earshot listening to it. I was younger. And uh, he said, yeah, I said, uh, uh, in fact, his last name was Bass. That's a fact with my hand up. Anyway, he said, I went down to the lake, and I'd caught a mess of fish. And he goes, on the way back home, I decided that I didn't want to clean them. You know, I just didn't want to mess with them. So I seen this farmer's pond over here, you know, and I just pulled up, pulled over, just throw those fish into that pond. Well, the farmer seen me, and he had that pond stocked <laughs> just the way he wanted it. And I put some fish in there that was not what he wanted in there. And he, he you know, he pulled me over, and he come out there, and he, he just, uh, um, he was all upset with me. And, and one thing or another, and I began to apologize. One thing, and, he, and, this is a, and he seen my ring. I mean, he was threatening bodily harm, but he seen the ring, and he was realizing that both of them was in the good old boy network. He was still upset about the fish, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't hit Mr. Bass or anything else. He didn't sue Mr. Bass. But that's, that's that, they're blinded, hoodwinked. And they go through this little station seeking light, and that's exactly the blind. The, so, so this unbelief, this, uh, this rejection, and the relationships will blind you. It could be relationships among these secret societies. I'll just leave it at that. It could be relationships with your spouse. The devil will say, if, I get, if you get saved, it's going to ruin your marriage. Don't listen to the devil. He'll tell you that. If you get saved, and this isn't blinded by the mind of the devil, he'll put some things in your mind. He'll say, your relationships will blind you. If I get saved, then I can't do this. I can't. That goes back to the, the rejection or rebellion or the next one too. But relationships. If I get saved, then I will be. Uh, and it happens. It truly happens with Jewish folks. It happens with some Catholic folks. Where you get born again and your family, Jewish or Catholic or some of these other religions, will actually put you away, cut you off from the family. 
And I know it happens, but I wouldn't go to hell over it. I wouldn't go to hell over it. And then blinded by revelings. Like I said, these just come to me. Blinded by revelings. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. I was looking for this list earlier. I knew and then wound up having it highlighted in my Bible when I did finally find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Revelings. Sin. I mean, we just bring it down to sin, but for alliteration's sake, I put revelings. You know, I like what I, I like how this makes me feel. It makes me forget. You know, that that Johnny uh what's it, John Barleycorn. It makes me forget my troubles, but it adds to your troubles. Just read Proverbs. How did I get these bruises? How did I get how did I get, get this headache? How did I get there's a, a a relationship, distant relationship, a relationship nonetheless, of a family that I know, I'll just put it that way, that that he was drunk, passed out in the back of a car. And his buddies, his drinking buddies, decided they're going to go in and and uh, rob the local uh, little small town, very small town, supermarket. So they go in. He's, he's passed out in the car. They go in. They rob the place. And then in the process of robbing the place, one of them shoots the, 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 store, home, the, the store owner, shoots him, and he winds up dying. Guess who all went to jail? All three of them. And the one guy that's the, the, the relation to the, the family that I know, he's like, but I was passed out in the back of the car. I said, it doesn't matter. You're guilt by association. And that's what alcohol does. He thought he was having a good time. Maybe he did have a good time before he passed out. But then he woke up in jail and served prison sentence over it. And he didn't have nothing to do with that robbery by his words. But revelings, and I couldn't help but to think about uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous, uh, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Amen. Who is the unrighteous? Who is the sinners? Who are those that, that just wants to go out and, and revel or sin? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. If anybody has ever had sex outside the confines of marriage, you're a fornicator. Period. Fornicators. Idolaters. If you've not, if you served other things, if you served the almighty dollar, if you've put anything before God, you're an idolater. You have worshipped something besides God. You're an idolater. Nor adulterers. That's having sex with another person other than your spouse within the confines of marriage. You're an adulterer. See, if you fall into this list is all I'm asking. Several of us can say yes. In this list, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves. You ever sold anything? I don't care. Like Brother Glenn points out, 
if it's a piece of bubble gum. You took it. You didn't pay for it. You're a thief. I've been caught. Thank the Lord mom caught me before I put it in my mouth. Where did you get that gum at? You know, of course, they make it kind of easy. You got all, all, those, all those candy bars and all the gum and everything that's right there at the checkout. You got the cashier and you got the, you got the you know, mom doing the exchanging and it's just like, hmm, hmm, hmm. And you get out there and you pull it out of your pocket. Mom sees you. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't pay for that. Let's go back in the store. Thank God mom made us go back in the store. One of two things happened. She covered my sin with putting the money on the table. Or she made me put it back. And then covered my rear end with a switch later on. For stealing. You're a thief. If you took it and it ain't yours, you didn't pay for it, you're a thief. Reveling, nor thieves, nor covetous, wanting something to the, point, to the point where, I mean, you just, in your heart, you just got to have that thing. It just takes over your, your being that you just want it so bad. Covetous. You're not satisfied until you get it. Covetous. We're to be satisfied with clothes and raiment. I mean, with raiment and shelter. Food and shit, food and raiment. There we go. We'd be satisfied according to the word of God with food and raiment. But you just got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. And lots of times when you get it, you're like, I wish I never had that. That's covetous. Nor drunkards. Anybody got a bottle on the shelf at home? Anybody got a bottle in the cabinet at home? Anybody got some beer in the fridge at home? You can already taste it. Got to get out of church so I can go get back onto that. You're a drunkard. Nor revelers. There's the reveler we're talking about. Just constant stirring up stuff. Party out the party scene. Got to get. I can't wait till Friday night. Can't wait till Saturday night. We're going to go down here to the casino. We're going to go down here to the club. We're going to see this concert. We're going to party up with our... I had to get out of an establishment yesterday. You know, I mean, they have... You go into stores and they got music going on. Sometimes it's just kind of in the background, but this was kind of loud wherever we was at. We was at several places, but one particular store, it was just uh, over the top, and it was... All those old songs of all those times of my teenage, you know, and what I was drawn to. You know, the pickup truck and the dirt road and, you know, getting with your friends and da 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 da, da sitting on the tailgate and all that kind of music. And it just took me back. And I said, we got to get out of here. I said, because... <laughs> My mind and my flesh is going, my mind is going back to memories and my flesh is enjoying those memories. Revelings. Friday night, Saturday night. Some of you think that you still, some of you think that you're not a teenager anymore. I mean, that you're still a teenager. You still think that you got to go out and just party it up? 
Feel good about it. Revelings. Revilers nor extortioners. Again, going back to that, that's what happens at the end of that covetousness. I've got to have it so bad. I'm either going to steal it and be a thief from it, or I'm going to somehow get it by way of extortion. I'm going to hold, it, hold something over you so that you must give to me. That happens, <laughs> that happens in a lot of circles. A whole lot of circles. Not just the mafia circles. I've done it for you, now you owe me something. Wait a minute. That ain't the way that children of God are supposed to operate. They're supposed to operate on love thy neighbor as thyself. Not, I scratched your back, I expect you to scratch mine. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. That's extortion. It might be on a simple level, but it's still extortion. There might not be any finances involved, but it's still extortion. And it goes back to exactly how the Masonic Lodge operates. Just throw that out there. And then it says, So know ye not that the unrighteous shall... Uh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Be not deceived neither. And it gives you the list that I just went through. And at the very end of chapter, verse number 10, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you the drunkard? Are you the fornicator? Are you the adulterer? Are you the covetous person? Are you the thief? You're not going. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God according to the Bible. I didn't say it. God said it right here in verse 3. But... I like it doesn't end there. Woo! Verse number 10 ends there. Verse number 10 says, The law says, Thou shalt not steal. And this says, A thief is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And we come to the place where we understand and know that I have stolen. That makes me a thief. And according to that, Reasoning, I am not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I've committed fornication. I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And all that other part in that list. Verse number 11, he's talking to the church here. He's talking to safe folks here. And such, woo, were some of you. About every one of us, child, children of God, save folks in here today could stand up not to glory in sin, and we're not going to stand up and glory in their sin, but we could all stand up and raise our hands and testify that we fell in that list somewhere. Somewhere. Pick one. You, you're guilty. And such were some of you. But now you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Such were some of you, but you're washed. What are you washed under? 
Look, you need to see yourself as dirty. I am a thief. I am a fornicator. I am an adulterer. I am covetous. I am an extortioner. I am, I am, I am. I need washed. I'm dirty in my sin. I'm dirty in my reveling. I need washed. What is the answer? Jesus Christ, his blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's exactly right. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not the baptistry waters. That's not going to wash away your sin. Oh, yeah, I remember when I was eight years old, somebody come and pick me up in, at vacation Bible school, and they took me down. By the end of the week, they had me go, you know, they had me say a little prayer up here, and I don't remember what I said. And they, then they shoved me through the water on Sunday night at the, at the uh, commencement for the vacation Bible school so our mamas and daddies could see us go through the baptistry. That has happened time and time and time again in people's lives. They never have seen themselves a sinner. They never have seen themselves dirty and needed washed. They never have seen anything like that. They, they never have said, I'm guilty of these things. If you're guilty of these, these things and you are not a was, a has been, <laughs> a was not, uh, such were some of you, but now you're washed. If you've never been washed, then you if you're not in that list of the redeemed, you're not in that list of the washed, you never had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. What you will inherit according to the word of God has been preached around here time and time and time again. You're going to inherit hell. And then at the end of time, when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire with them. And your torments will be before God forever and ever and ever. I'm going to have eternal life. I have eternal life. I'm not going to have. I already have eternal life. I have obtained it by the mercy of God. Amen. Through belief in the gospel message that Jesus Christ died for my sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and raised again the third day according to the scripture, I believe that. And because I believe that, then I have eternal life. If I lay down this body, I am to be, I'm in presence with the Lord and I am going to live forever according to the scriptures. But if you, if you, have never believed in the only begotten Son of God, you are going to die forever. One of the comments of my brother, or my brother, a co-worker of mine whose brother just recently passed away, he said as he was laying there the night before he passed, as he was sitting in the hospital watching his brother, when he showed me a picture of the cancer, had just taken him down to a skeleton. He was just bones. I mean, like... Holocaust-looking victim bones. And he showed me a picture the other day. He said, I was sitting there watching my brother struggle as he died. And I was talking with the hospice people. 
And the hospice people, you know, I mean, they've got it kind of like, they got it down about how the, the body shuts down and the signs of it being closer and the whole nine yards about dying. And, you know, they had the whole little list and they have pamphlets to help the, the, the family to understand a little bit more about the death process. Debbie back here, she's a nurse. She, she works in a nursing home. I know she's seen it time and time and time again how the, the skin will change. You know, I've, I've worked in a nursing home myself, and, and I'll be coming down the hall uh, when I worked in security at the nursing home or whatever. They say, Mr. So-and-so is, 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 is pretty, pretty close. He's, his skin is, has become mottled, I guess is the word. The skin has changed. The, the texture of his skin is getting close. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to cross over. And, and my coworker said, as he was learning all this uh, about his brother dying and about death, uh, as he was watching his brother die, he said death is a hard thing. Death is a struggle. And I got to thinking about that. I, that statement, I said, I have eternal life. And for those, when he, the Bible talks about being thrown into that, sec, that lake of fire, and it says this is the second death, it's not only the struggle that happens in, in the physical death, being just that struggle throughout eternity, forever dying. I have eternal life, and you will have eternal death, forever dying. And then when Brother Glenn mentioned the crowdedness in hell, and again, and of course he said it's just his thoughts about it, but in that, if, if, if they are, the gnashing of teeth, if, they, if you can feel, and I know that there's other, other creatures that's going to be there as well, the worm, and so on and so forth, but, but you're in outer darkness. You're not going to see anybody. Outer darkness. Anybody ever been in a cave, and they turn off the lights, and you're... You know, of course, what a little bit of, you know, your eyes adjust and you put your hand right here and you can't see your hand. Outer darkness, you will not be able to see. Just the darkness that comes upon. I mean, you're scared of the dark. It's a natural thing to be scared of the dark. You get uncomfortable, uneasy. You know, when we travel, we took these little, not the really bright night lights. We have taken them before too, but the little blue lights. Just a little night light or the little green one. And in an unfamiliar place, we plug them into the wall because we don't want to stumble in the dark. There's a certain fear of darkness. Sin happens in the darkness. When do your, when do your trailers get stolen? When do your whatever, your house gets broken into? Most of the time, it's at dark. Because that's when the powers of darkness work. But he... That, let me see here, let me read it here. There. For if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Unbelief. And because of unbelief, you're hoodwinked. <laughs> because of unbelief, you've got a blindfold on. You're blinded. You can't see. You can't see the answer because of your unbelief. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine into them. So the, the devil has got your minds blinded because he doesn't want the gospel light to shine in. 
And then Paul says in verse number 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded. If you love me, keep my commandments, God says. For God hath commanded the light to shine out, in, uh, shine out of darkness. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. And he's talking to the saved folks here. He's talking to the church here. He's shined in our hearts to what, to what end? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels and the excellency of the power, uh, that the excellency of the power of God may be of God and not in us. He says, he talks about how that in chapter 3, and I know we're not going to get there, maybe, I don't know. He talks about, yeah, we will get there because I, I can probably squeeze it in. But he talks about our earthen vessels and, the, and the, the light that is within us, not our own light like the, the heathen out here will tell you to do, like the psychologists and these other spiritual people, spiritualists, let's put it that way, spiritualists will do these other false religions that says, oh, the light is within you. No, no, no. If there is light within you, it's the light of God that's within us, according to this scripture. It's God's light that shines through us. Look over in chapter number 3, verse number 1. Do we begin again to command ourselves, or need we, as some other epistles of commendation, uh, to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our, in, in our hearts, known and read of all men, forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart. You know, I read that slow today. You know what it's saying? Paul here writing again to the Corinthian believers... The believers in the Corinthians church, he says, look, you, do I need to write a letter to you to commend people to you or to you to us? You are our, you are our letters. You know what? And it's, it, not only do we as a congregation represent God when we go out there, but your walk individually and your talk individually represents God, but it represents the preacher too. And I'm one, <laughs> I've wondered this often. When I go meet your family, when I go meet people that you have interacted with before me, and the reception of them the reception of me to them being based on your epistle of me. Your life. It says, look, it's, it's your flesh. It's not talking about stones. It says your, your flesh. It's, it's in the fleshly tables of the heart. You go out and you represent me and my preaching that God gives. Me and my presentation, and I'm wondering... You know, okay, your brother Bell is, uh, well, you know, he's one of those kind of guys. See, you done skewed it. They can't see me for me and my message for me because of what, how you've already presented me to them through your words and through your life. Just saying, that's what he's saying here. All right. 
And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. And it says, and of course, again, where is our light to shine? It's just shining out of us. And it's Christ's light that's in us. We're going to see that. Um, but if the manifestation, I'm sorry, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones, talking about the law, was glorious, so that the uh, children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which the glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit uh, be rather glorious. And he, he was making reference back here in Ephesians chapter 34, verse number 28, and he, talking about Moses, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water, and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from, the Mount, si- uh, from Mount Sinai with the two t- tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. He wound up having to put a veil. We read this here and say, And when Moses, I'm sorry, when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with him. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them, in, uh, gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he, and, and he came out, and he spake unto the children of Israel that which was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, and the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put a veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So just being in the presence of the holiness of the law, God's word, God's commandment made Moses glow. His skin shone brightly. Then he put a veil over his face when he spoke to men. In 2 Corinthians 3. So if, if, if Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for, of his countenance, which the glory was to be done away with, talking about the law from them engraven stones, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? We should shine brighter. Child of God, our, our walk, our sanctification, <laughs> help, help, I know I need help, and I'm try- and I seen this with the church, and I said, whoa, it just opened up so much of the things in our church that still needs to be dealt with, that we're still wrong with. And when we go out, we wonder why we're not growing. We wonder why sinners are not coming. We wonder why the blindfold is not taken away from them because our light is, is dimmed because of our unrighteousness, because of our walk, the things that we're not uh, uh, implementing in our lives. Oh, I, 
you know, well, oh, Bethany, they don't, they don't teach that or preach that. Uh, Pollard, you know, we compare ourselves with others instead of getting in the Word of God. You know, we, we have allowed maybe some, some uh, teachings in our past that really doesn't line up with the Word of God to skew our, oh, we don't have to think that way and we don't have to. No, you do have to. If you love me, keep my commandments. Not to obtain salvation, as was demonstrated in the Sunday school hour, but because we are saved. And our light, our lives should be so uh, in line with Jesus Christ and with God and the Holy Spirit within us that we're not grieved or quenching Him, grieving Him and uh, uh, oppressing Him, and, 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 and we've dealt with that a little bit, that... Our, the light of the gospel shone, shines out of us brightly so that those that are blinded by this world sees that light and says there's something different about them. Just like that preacher that I spoke of, you can just see him in a crowd. He's that close to God. You, can, you know that there's something different. You know that he's a child of God and you know that he's a man of God just the way that he carries himself because he is... With God. I was reminded, Lisa and I was reminded again of our prayer closet. Literally, our closet. But we have, she has the old orange ottoman that Brother Hall prayed on, and I have my prayer bench. And Mom had gotten me when I was called to preach in there. And how that, you know, you set this piece of clothes on it, you set this on it, and this on it. And how that our altar, if you want to put it that way, our prayer altar has become cluttered. She said, I'm trying to clean off the ottoman. I said, I need to get to my bench too. Not that we don't pray. It's just having that secret place where we can go and shut the door. So our lights will shine. And so here, it it keeps on going here. Uh, Let's see here. Verse number 9, For if the ministration of the condemnation ministration of condemnation be glory, that's the law, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. We should be shining brighter than Moses. The church, individual Christians should be shining brighter because of righteousness exceeds the glory of the law. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in, in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away, that's the law, was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. The gospel is, is more glorious than the law. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put the veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. He put a veil over the law. They couldn't see the end of it. And I, I read this, I said, Oh, that opens up so much when the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Talking about the law that was covered up so that the children couldn't see to the end of it. So... Uh, uh, to the end which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. There's that word again, blinded, 
for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which, which veil is done, away, uh, is done away in Christ. People, again, Brother, uh, mm-hmm, Brother Glenn has dealt with it time and time and time again. So many people under the law, and even in today's society, in the Corinthian day society, they think that they got to work their way. There's something that I can do. To merit righteousness. No, there's nothing that you can do. Amen. You're still a thief. You're still a fornicator. You're still an adulterer. You're still a drunkard. I'm going to have my Bud Light or whatever, Pabst Blue Ribbon, name, name, name a beer. I'm going to have that, a, a full case of that there, but I'm going to do my neighbor right, and that's going to get me to heaven. No, it's not. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to go through a program, and I'm going to do better for myself physically, and I hope you do. I hope you do. But that's not going to get you to heaven. You can be set free. Such were some of you. But now you are washed. We can stand and testify, I, I were. I was one of those or several of those. Like Brother Tim said, I was all of those. Maybe he was all of those. But if you're guilty of one of those, you're, any part of the law, you're guilty of the whole law. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And it's not what you can do. It's what Jesus Christ has done. So the veil that, was, that Moses had on... And that's that works under the law, but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. The veil in the temple is a good representation of the same veils that are here. It, the, the veil, you know, hid the Ark of the Covenant and inside the Ark of the Covenant had the law of Moses in it. But Jesus Christ on Calvary and his shed blood, the veil was rent in twain, gave us access to God. The veil was taken away. You can see the glory of God. In Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. So you read the Old Testament, the veil's still there. I can work. I can do. There's something I can do. I can be faithful. I can I can clean up. I can No, that doesn't get you to heaven. Amen. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, but the, of the spirit for the letter but the spirit giveth life up in verse 6. But the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as the glass, or beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed unto the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, what are we talking about? The veil of Moses. 
and our righteousness should shine brighter. Our lights should shine brighter. When we look in the mirror, in that glass, like it says there, when we look in a mirror, in the mirror of God's Word, we should see the glory of the Lord in us. But what... As a child of God, so many times, I mean, the mirror is darkened, smudge. We see, we should see impurities. We should have, we should be open to reproof. We should be open to rebuke. I want to be as right with God as I can be. I want to be as right with the church as I can be. I want to be as right with the children of God. Fellow believers, as I can be, I want to be as right with the neighbor, the lost, my neighbor, who's outside in society as I can be. Because they, our, our, our glory should shine brighter than that of Moses. Because our righteousness is his righteousness. We should be changed into the same image, which is what Christ is trying to do. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Romans chapter 8, we're being conformed to the image of his son. Man, this is, whoo, I'm out here in the deep part, boys. Because, I mean, you just, when you, it just opens up. I, you know, when I seen the, these veils here, and I thought about the veil of the temple and how that just, it's just like, whew, there's so much more there. And I'm still just kind of treading water out here somewhere, getting ready to drown. I don't know, but I'm having a good time. But I want to look into this more, and I think we should, as individuals, look into this more and simply ask God, Lord, is there anything in my life, I mean, talking about peeling it all away, super-duper recesses of our hearts. It's a hard thing. (laughs) I'm just telling you. (laughs) It wasn't so easy when he was reproving my mouth, I mean, rebuking my mouth. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a drill and we're gonna cut these things in force and pull them out one root at a time, boys. I think it'll come out easier that way. There was some pressure. <laughs> there was some pain. So is it when the Spirit of God, when you lay yourself bare, open wide. All right, Lord, here it is. Get rid of the the things that are ailing me. Put your just go ahead and remove my sin. Just remove what's wrong. And you lay yourself bare like that. It's not an easy thing. I'm talking about the child of God here. I'm not talking about the sinners. I'm talking about it, you're going to have some pain. You're going to have some discomfort. It's not going to be an easy thing. But if you truly want to be as right as you can be so that your light will shine as bright as they can be as in the glory of Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration. They had to hide their faces. Can you imagine having that kind of uh, representation of Christ in the community? As a church? As an individual? I mean, you know, nowadays they don't care if they cuss in front of you. You can be a preacher and they don't care if they can cuss in front of you. There's a, a one that I'm gonna have to deal with that that and I was lumped into uh, to the group of our office mates, you know, all you 
He goes, all of you, and he's done it twice, and I'm going to have to go to him. And don't, don't put me in with that word that you just said at the end of all of you. And I'm going to go to him. But what's really sad is my light must not be shining so bright that he would even say that word in my presence. So my, bright, my light is being dealt with here as well. And I'm hoping that your light will be dealt with as a child of God as well today. So I preach to both of us. Child of God, examine. Just lay yourself bare. Say, Lord, I want to be as right. I want my light to shine. You know, we go back to Matthew. We sing the song in Sunday school. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. We're all around the neighborhood. Won't let Satan get out. I'm going to let it shine. Your light, people will see your light, same passage of Scripture, your light, and they'll glorify the Father. Your light is what they're looking at. Your example is what they're looking at. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm guilty. I'm guilty. If I'm guilty, (laughs) I know you are too. Help us to say, God, help us to be that as the heart panteth after the water brook. Help us to have that desire that we run to the water of the word. We desire it to wash us and cleanse us as a child of God of the impurities that gets in our lives so that we can be the light we need to be so that those that are here today and those that are without that will come in that we're trying to reach and we try to pray for will see some results in their lives. Because I often wonder, Lord, they're there, they're there, they hear the gospel, what's going on? And the, whole, the Lord said, maybe your light ain't as bright as it needs to be to pierce the blinded mind to pierce the blindfold that Satan has got upon them. You preach the word and, and they hear the word, but are they, are they seeing in your life what they're hearing from under the blindfold? Does our lives line up with Jesus Christ's life? That's the message today. If you're here saved, I implore you to seek God that you might have a brighter light. And if you're lost today, you've heard it another time. You have to be lost before you can be saved. If God the Holy Spirit has said you are Those things in that list. You've never been washed. You've never been justified. You've never been saved. Then I invite you to come. And if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, saying, He's right, He's right, and your flesh is saying, Yes, He's right, He's right, don't let the revelings or don't let the relationships or don't let just the rebellion 
keep you from coming to Christ. I invite you today as we sing this song.